that is a very good cue to to bring in our next speaker, uh, Tim McQuibbon, and Erica will briefly introduce him. Hello, Tim. Now, Tim has been in contact with the Waldensian world just one year after I came in. So that in 1989, when he, I thought he was very, very young. He wasn't that young, but anyway, he brought a group of young people from, uh, from um, Britain to uh, the celebration of the glorious return in Torre Pelic in the valleys. And then from the high mountains of Agape, he took them to other parts, including the Mediterranean and so on. And after that, then he became member of our committee and he was the chair for some time for the Waldensian Church Mission. He has in his, uh, very humbly, he said that he's been serving British Methodists in higher education for many years. That is very, his humble way to say it. He served. And then, um, and then he, at some point, he was also a minister in Wesley Church in, in Cambridge. And eventually he ended up in Rome in Ponte Sant'Angelo, where he had already been for one summer taking place for a, a minister who was on holiday. And um, so he was the minister there, but he was also the first president, I think, or uh, whatever. Director. Was, director, sorry, of the, um, the, the, the what is it? The Methodist Ecumenical Office uh, for, uh, anyway, you, you'll tell us that. <laughs> and in that uh, place, and then in, obviously in Rome, that's what he did um, ecumenically. And he's going to talk about that and, uh, and other things. So, no, maybe, maybe about that. Anyway, thank you very much. And um, we are all interested in what you're going to tell us. Thank you, Erica. Uh, and, and greetings to everyone. It's good to see uh, old friends and new here uh, on this away day. Uh, I was going to talk about William Beckwith, but that'll have to wait for another time. I want to concentrate on my encounters and impressions of Pope Francis and his work. And that's significant as we draw to the end of the week of prayer for Christian unity. Whilst director of the Methodist Ecumenical Office Rome uh, for five years, 2014 to 19, this was always the busiest time of the year, with Protestants much in demand at the various events and services organised ecumenically, always with active and enthusiastic Catholic participation. That week was in its whirlwind of events in churches, seminaries, ecumenical institutions, but the culmination was always the Papal Vespers at St Paul's Without the Walls on the last day of the octave uh, on the Feast of the Conversion of St Paul. The site of the earliest Christian shrine to the apostle near his place of execution. Later, Benedictine monastery and, of course, Pope John the uh, XXIII uh, declared the Second Vatican Council there, changing the course of church history. He died before the end of the council, but Pope Paul VI continued its work which even with the limited support for furthering its purposes under uh, Popes John Paul II and Benedict XVI could not be reversed. The modern ecumenical movement can be said to date from those middle years of the 60s when the ecumenical commissions were established to undertake dialogue with the Anglicans, Lutherans and Methodists and soon extended to others. 
and through the Pontifical Council for Promoting Christian Unity, and particularly one secretary responsible for the links with Anglicans and Methodists, and that uh, week of prayer for Christian unity, the, its work was associated from an early date with its nearest Protestant neighbors, the Methodists at Ponte Sant'Angelo and the Waldensians at Piazza Cavour. Let's get back to the Papal Vespers at St. Paul's. I was privileged to attend each uh, of those in the five years I was in Rome, usually prima file on the front row. Here's a picture of Angela and I being greeted by, Saint, uh, by uh, Pope Francis. Laterally, we were greeted in the narthex of the Basilica and greeted by the Pope personally. There I was representing Methodists worldwide, as well as after the service as he came out. In the five years, the service became much more relaxed and less stuffy, in line with this light touch Pope who encourages wherever possible uh, a, a, an easier approach to liturgical services. Untypically, in the final year we were there, the Vespers were held at the beginning of the week on the 18th. The previous year, instead of the three principal persons presiding, Pope, Orthodox Church leader, and the director of the Anglican Center as personal representative of the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Lutheran pastor in Rome was added to do a reading and to share in the final blessing. Of course, recognizing the year of reformation uh, in 2017-18. In uh, and they warmly endorsed that uh, through the work that they did together on the joint declaration on the doctrine of justification signed in 1999. To my surprise in 2019, in the absence of the Anglican Archbishop, I was approached just half an hour before the service and told that I would be the Protestant representative, reading a psalm, yes, in Italian, and joining in the final blessing with the Pope and the Metropolitan. As the third signatory of the joint declaration, it was fitting for the World Methodist Council to be recognized in this way. Here's a picture of me at that ecumenical blessing at the end. The other occasions I met the Pope were at special services, where again I represented that World Methodist Council at the Day of Prayer for the Care of Creation. That was instituted by Pope Francis with the Patriarch of Constantinople, both of whom are keen advocates of our stewardship of what Francis calls our common home, Mother Earth. This is the theme of one of his major encyclicals, Laudato Si, echoing the words of his namesake, Francis of Assisi, the patron saint of the environment, interfaith relationships. Since that first gathering in Assisi in Creation Tide 1986 of world faith leaders, pioneering statement on nature. And then there was another occasion celebrating the collaboration between churches and faith communities on the, the day of prayer for South Sudan. On that occasion, I got to share a kiss of peace with the Holy Father as a sign of our ecumenical work together in prayer and action. No picture of that. And on the 50th anniversary of, yeah, of the setting up of the Methodist Roman Catholic International Commission for Dialogue in 2017, I was responsible for the visit of both Merkic and the World Methodist Council, who together were granted a private audience with Pope Francis, of which he spoke warmly of our growing understanding and work together. 
And finally, the other occasions I want to concentrate on were within the eight weeks I spent in the company of Pope Francis with selected cardinals, bishops, abbots, and other religious, including women and lay people, in the two synods of bishops held in my time in Rome. One was on the family over two sessions, the first ended in controversy and disagreement, and the other on young people, faith and vocational discernment. The apostolic exhortation issued at the end of the synod on the family, Amoris Laetitia, did not go far enough in the eyes of the reforming wind of the, a wing of the church, but it did allow a more open pastoral approach on the matters of the admission of divorced persons to communion and the acceptance of gay persons' participation in the life of the church, famously summed up in the Pope's response to the question on the subject by, who am I to judge? That approach rooted in pastoral concerns for evangelization rather than doctrinal purity and upholding tradition is implicit, I believe, in Francis's person and in the priorities he has set in his pontificate. It was there right from the beginning, from the year of mercy of his first year. It can be found in Evangelii Gaudium, the encyclical. He is a prophetic and bold pope in the spirit, the true spirit of Vatican II, a champion of underdogs and outsiders, the homeless and the poor, promoting the papal almoner to be a cardinal, having a place for them in the Vatican and regularly visiting social work projects uh, in the city. We once were stood in a bus stop outside the Santo Spirito Hospital uh, in, in, near the Vatican, uh, and we saw the Pope passing. He was passing in a battered Ford Fiesta car. Even in the Vatican, he chooses to live at the Santa Marta clergy hostel rather than shut up in the apostolic palace. And one of his first visits outside Rome was, of course, as we've heard, to Lampedusa, the small island nearer Africa than Sicily, where migrants had been washed up on the great wave across the Mediterranean. And the Mediterranean Hope Project was born out of the ecumenical work of Waldensians and Methodists with the community of Santa Gidia. Of course, it hasn't been plain sailing for the Pope and mistakes have been made and opposition from some quarters has been vociferous from conservative traditionalists, but he has met such opposition with a steely Jesuit resolve based on silence, turning the other cheek, and discernment to go the extra mile in dialogue rather than confrontation. The issues of child abuse and the financial scandals he inherited have been met and addressed in a, an approach which acknowledges faults. Remember, he was the first pope to make a personal apology and admit liability for anything and devolves decision-making downwards the principle of subsidiarity, challenging clericalism, involving more women and lay people in the exercise of responsibilities for different aspects of church life. Synodality and collegiality have not lessened the office, but have ensured that a wider group of people, not necessarily the courier, are involved, and all the better for that. At the end of the day, I'm left with my impressions of a man of the people, friendly and smiling, though sometimes not suffering fools gladly, Trump 
and glad to say got short shrift on his visit to Rome. Happier chatting over coffee breaks with people rather than presiding over his synod of bishops, more relaxed when he went to wash the feet of prisoners, including women and Muslims, scandal, scandal, on Maundy Thursday than presiding at set-piece masses like the canonization of Oscar Romero and others that I attended. A humble, simple man of God, but with a sharp mind and a sense of where he wants the church to go in reaching out to the ends of the earth, just as he arrived from those ends of the earth, the peripheries to start his pontificate. I'd recommend to you a book that has been written by Christopher Lamb, who writes for the tablet. It's called The Outsider. Pope Francis is the one who gathers other outsiders to the center to reshape the church. Cardinals from Tonga, the so-called baby cardinal, and other lesser nations, such as Cardinal Joseph Kutz, who featured on the series uh, uh, from Pakistan on BBC Two last year, on Inside the Vatican. So as Pope Francis might himself say in conclusion to anything, Juan Pranzo, though we've got another hour or so to go, and pray for me. Uh, and I think that sets the seal on my impressions of this man of God. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. And I like your admission that not everything has gone well. And, uh, and, and that he is a Pope who has been prepared to, to apologize.